0: Done this Sunday I morning, mean, right but I was uh, found this on the internet, and um, I wanted to share it with you. Um, just read—it's reading about how the apostles all died, and uh, I'm going to read that uh, eventually. Uh, but tonight I, I have. For just a brief moment today, my, I've been running like a chicken with my head cut off since I've got out of the revival, and I uh, just can't seem to slow down. And, and, uh, but so the Lord put some verses on my heart today as I was driving the kids to school, and I, I've used these verses before, and I think I've used them here on a Wednesday night. I may have, um, but I, I want to talk to you tonight about success, about being successful. Um, I, I believe that we as God's people are measuring success in the wrong way uh, you know the prosperity gospel is being preached in our mega churches and our uh, uh, sister churches where they say well once you get saved all your problems is over but you know we, we here at this church we've read our Bibles we're, we're educated enough to know that uh, there's going to be hardship and hard that's going to come our way. Uh, it's inevitable. They're coming. Just look at Gretchen. Look what she's went through. She's a stronger person. Look at me and the kids. What we went, Look what John has went through. And uh, you know, and, and Doug, and, and the list goes on and on. That success is measured not by what we accomplish so much, as, as what we what God we give God in return. Um, let me say that one more time and clarify that. Success is measured by the glory we give God. There could be a, a little poor widow woman in a dirt floor hut in Africa that is living a successful Christian life, sweeping her house out of the, uh, the bugs and dirt out of her house every day as she sings a little hymn, the praise of God, She's living a successful life, in God's eyes. In our eyes, we say, well, if we have 3,000 saved, we've done a big work. And it is a big work. But I believe that success is measured by what we give back to God, give him glory, give him honor. Now, we're all not Paul the Apostle. We're not going to win souls like Paul did, like Peter did in, in, in the early church and the infant church. Uh, but we all have a job to do, and it's our job to be successful where God plants us at. And I want to read just a few verses. And you're hearing in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter three. I I, I I have used this before, and I, I remember using it years and years ago at Friendship in a Bible study. And I want to give you just a few things out of uh, chapter three, verses twelve through fourteen. Uh, Paul says this not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for uh, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, so first of all, I want us to notice here that uh, Paul, he, his, he specialized in his calling, where God had called him. Um, in verse number 12, it says, uh, he says he's not perfect, uh, but, but he says, but I, but I fall after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Uh, that word apprehended gives us the idea that God caught him, uh, took control of him, and uh, we know the story of, of Saul uh, of Tarsus on the road to Damascus when the light of, of, uh, of God shone down from him and, and stopped him dead in his tracks. And he became blind for three days and three nights. And we, and we believe that this is where Paul's ophthalmia came from and his bulging eyes and his repulsive look that he had in his eyes. He was called of God, an apostle called out of due time or due season. He was not one of the original twelve. Uh, because Judas Iscariot hung himself, but Paul took his place because God had called him. He seized Paul or apprehended Paul uh, to do a great work. And I I believe, first of all and foremost, if we're going to be successful in the ministry or the work of God wherever God plants us, we've got to go where God calls us. And uh, I, I, I believe with all of my heart that Brother Stephen, he has been called to Mount Zion Baptist Church. Hey, can I get an amen on that? Everybody ought to say a good hearty amen on that. Amen. He's been called to be the pastor for this allotted time, these allotted years, and, and I appreciate that. But God, uh, if you'll have it, apprehended him to come here. And I, I kind of have to agree with what old Jack said. I Old Mac Gillard, uh, uh, you know, they... they uh, you know, they some boots swap there Somewhere in there uh, Matt Gillard, you know, they, they got The uh, rough end of the stick We got the better end of the stick, alright But we appreciate how God Calls me And it's one thing for us as God's men or God's people to go out and say, well, I'd like to do this. I'd like to go over to Africa or Asia or wherever at work and labor. But it's one thing to be called of the Lord to go and another thing to just strike out, go. And one preacher said this, he told his pastor, he said, I believe God's called me to preach. And he said, how do you know he's called you to preach? He said, the other day I was laying in the field. And he said, "Uh, uh, the initials go, G P were in the clouds. He said, "I, I took that. That must have been God called me to preach. He said, son, you misrepresented that. He said, that meant God told you to get back to plowing, get back to work in the field. But God apprehended Paul. He told him, he said, look, your secret to your success is in your calling. Not everybody's going to do like Paul did. There'll never be another Paul the Apostle. He, listen, when he was on the, uh, on the ship headed to Rome and he shipwrecked, he wasn't just there with soldiers in his life. He was on that ship with the epistles in his heart, and his mind, getting ready to write them. That was his call to carry God's Word in the known world. But you'll notice this as well in uh, the second thing, <coughs> that Paul, he forgot. He forgot about what happened in his past. Notice in verse number 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, he said, I, I'm not as good as I ought to be. I'm not good, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And uh, you know, a, a Christian, especially a preacher, uh, has to have a, a good memory about the good things that he's went through, but he needs to have a bad memory about bad things he goes through. Our things that we do in our past that haunt us will drag the joy out of our life. If we we focus on the bad all the time, it'll drag us down. Friend, I want to say there's some things in my life, things in your life in the past that you have just soon forget. Now, amen tonight. Does everybody nod your head? We'd like to forget them. Uh, But I want you to understand this. We need to learn to forget. Could you imagine? Here's what Paul had to learn to forget to be successful as a Christian. He had to forget those things that he did. I don't think he did forget them all, but I think he tried to forget a lot of times. I believe he remembered that day when he took a man, Stephen, and they laid uh, his clothes at his feet and they stoned him. I believe he tried to forget that, but I believe it haunted him the rest of his days. I believe God used that to humble him to the fact that he would not get so haughty and so arrogant. Yes, uh, I believe in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, where Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh, we're not for sure what it was. It could have been his ophthalmia, his, eye, his eyesight. could have been his, been his repulsive look. It could have been the things that he did in his past. We're not for sure about the thorn of the flesh that he had. But Paul said to be successful, he said, brethren, I count myself to not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things, forget about the past and the the problems that you had and the sin that you had in days gone by. I I, I heard about a man one day that was a uh, uh, he, he became a missionary and he uh, was a, grew up in, I believe it's in the Bronx, somewhere up there around New York and New Jersey in that area. And he was one of the biggest uh, drug dealers in the city. And he, he was so good at what he did, he knew how to hide his drugs in plain sight. He would hide it from all the uh, drug narcotic uh, narcotic teams and everybody that tried to catch him. They never caught him. And finally, they caught him one day. He made one mess up, and the long arm of the law of the law uh, of the law, uh, law got him and caught up with. It. Spent time in prison. Uh, got saved. Uh, started going to church. And here was his testimony. He said, "I could never get away." of the things that you, that haunted me. I couldn't get away from it. He said, but you know, one day I ran into a mission board. They had a job for me. He said, you know what that job was? He said, it was smuggling Bibles into Russia. He <laughs> said, you mean to tell me that I can use my gifts that I did in the past to win somebody for God? He said, sign me up. They said he smuggled more Bibles In the known day today, he has smuggled more Bibles uh, right now than any other missionary that we know of of his day. And uh, he he knows how to hide those Bibles in compartments and luggage and everything. That that was his job. I want to say he forgot about the old life, but yet God used that zeal that he had to prepare him for the life that he had to be successful in. And I want to say your past today does not define you. But our past does help make us who we are today. Things I've went through, things you go through, are making us a better, successful people today. I told someone the other day, and I was uh, well, I was talking to a Preacher in North Carolina about it, and he said this. He said, Preacher, I've went through some hard, hard things. Now talking about himself, he said, I'm not saying I'm a better preacher. I'm not saying that. I'm not being haughty. I'm not being arrogant. He said, but I can promise you this on the authority of my testimony and how God is using me now. He said, I may not be a better preacher, but I'm a better man. I'm a better person. He said, my past has halted me, but I'm using that past to compel me to success in doing what God has called me to do. So we find, first of all, we specialize in the calling that God's given us. Then we need to forget about what's happened in the past. In verse number 13, I wrote this down as I was reading, uh, uh, studying for the lesson today. We don't need to major on the minor let me say that again the minor things that used to haunt us don't sit there and just look at it get your eyes off of it but we need to minor on them we need to forget about those little things get our eyes off all those problems that we went through listen, get our eyes fixed back on the prize back on Jesus to be successful in the work of God notice this as well that we're to press forward notice verse number 14 He says, I press forward. Pressing forward shows there's agitation. Did you notice that? There's a little bit of uh, agitation when you press. He says, press forward. Verse number four, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And all of God's saints and all of God's people, they all have the call of God, first of all, to carry out the Great Commission. We're to go into every highway, byway, rutted rut, rut out road. Everywhere we're supposed to go, we're to tell the good news of the gospel. We're to go to the mountains, the valleys, the sea, the oceans. Everywhere we go, we are to give the gospel. Amen tonight. The Great Commission is not just for preachers. It's for everybody. We're to tell the good news. All of us are. Every single one of us. But notice how we're to do it. He says in verse not number 14, we're to press to press forward, pressure helps us move. And here's the meat of the lesson tonight to be successful in the work of God. Flip back to the book of uh, Acts chapter 8. Notice this about uh, in Acts 8 verse number 1. We're reading about Saul uh, uh, before he was saved or Paul the Apostle. He says in verse number 8, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time... There was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Notice I underline that word scattered abroad. Look down to verse number 4. Therefore they were scattered abroad. Went everywhere preaching the word of God. Look in Acts chapter 11, verse number 19 for just a second. I'm laying the foundation. Now, now they... Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but uh, unto the Jews only. And here's what, what God did to the infant church of the early church to make the, the success of the gospel to go even to here now today where we are in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. The success came from pressure. These people were preaching the gospel in in, in downtown Jerusalem and they were telling the world Jesus Christ is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. This man you crucified, Jesus, he's the blessed Son of God. They preached that. But God saw something. They were... were, basically staying in Jerusalem just preaching to the Jews but God said I don't want the gospel just to be a certain sect of people a certain class, a certain person he said I want the whole world everybody to know so God put a little Amen. pressure on the church he started taking the infant church and started a little persecution He, stu- he based stoned Stephen persecuted, he looked up to heaven God received him, the Lord received him and the testimony of his grace of dying grace went out to the known world and little by little a word here and a word there a message here a message there and they were scattered abroad here and there telling the good news of the gospel and here's what God was doing. He was taking the gospel and sowing the good seed with a little pressure and listen friend tonight here's the success of the Christian. When you start getting pressure in your life and you go through hardship and hard God is not being mean to you. He is pressing you to do something greater than what you've done before in the past. Did you hear me tonight? It might be, it might be God. Listen, God may be moving you to do, uh, to go say something or do something. And he might even, don't, don't throw a rock at me now, He might use even a little agitation in churches, in your church, in your life, to make you move and do something. I want to share something with you for just a minute. I remember many years ago when I was pastoring at, 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 in Delonica at Friendship, and I said, God, I love pastoring. I love it. I said, God, I want to pass the rest of my days. If you'd see fit, I'd like to stay right here in Delonica and just preach and preach and preach. I had the best time. I, listen, God, God used me in a mighty fantastic way. And I remember climbing in the bookboard every Sunday, feeling right at home and doing exactly what God had called me to do. And listen, it was, it was never a chore for me to be a pastor. Not one time. Not one time. Les used to come home and gripe and go, I don't know, pastor. And I said, you baby, get to work. <laughs> That's what I tell him. And, uh, and 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 you know, other preachers come to, I made the mistake griping to Dean one time about a little problem in the church, and it wasn't no big deal. And I said, Dean, uh, Dean, what are what you gonna what, what do you think I should do about it? And Brother Jack, you know what he did to me? He said, "Son, they dragged you through the streets, they stoned you and left you for dead." And I said, "He said Are your bills paid? Are you healthy?'" He said, quit complaining, quick, quick complain, get back to work. I don't want to hear it." And he walked off. <laughs> I said, "Some help, Dean was." I'm telling Listen here, and listen. God took pressure in my life to move me from that city of Delano. You're sitting here looking and saying, "Well, you did have good success, but you're not having success right now." Wait a minute. I'm having great success. I, I'm I'm in a great Bible believing church. I've got I've got a great pastor. I've got we've got great members here. Good deacons. We've got. I mean we're just so blessed. But I want you to look just for a second on the front pew right here. I've got I've got three kids, healthy, happy, and whole. I've got a wife that's just as I mean as straight as an arrow. I mean just live, life happily. We're blessed, and it's not always perfect, but I want to say God has blessed me, and I believe in my life right now, Miss Wanda, I am a success for how God has blessed me. It took a little, in fact, it took a lot of pressure. I mean, a lot of pressure for me to get to the point where I am today right now. I remember uh, somebody telling me here when I first started coming here years a few years back, they said, Brother Lance, you just need to pray more and all your problems will go away, and I looked at them, and I said, I'm doing more praying than I've ever done in my life, and God is not hearing my prayer. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what I've done to deserve all of it, but I said this God. God will hear my prayer again. He's heard me in the past. And it took a few years of pressure, of mood. Listen, it's like God was taking a clamp on me and uh, squeezing something out of me like an old lump of coal. And little by little, uh, God has made a little diving right now. And I, listen, my greatest success right now is not preaching to millions and millions of people. My greatest success is sitting right here in this church. Can I get an amen to that? After all that you go through as a Christian, your success comes from the pressure that God applies to you in your life. Notice this in Romans chapter 10, verse number 15. Flip back to there. Romans 10, 15. What a beautiful uh, verse this is. How shall... Uh, uh, He says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, the preacher must have some beautiful feet. And I'm not talking about physically. But you know what feet are made for? They're made for moving. They're made for going. And listen, to be successful in the work of God, and to be successful in this church. Now I want to plant a seed right here for this church to really be a true New Testament Bible-believing successful church. We have got to put uh, legs on our prayers. And listen, we can, we can say God send revival all we want to. We can pray that God send a, a so-and-so over here to get saved. But until we put some initiative to it on our feet, and put a little gas money in a missionary's car and That's set right. a little Bible. I a Bible over here. God's not going to hear that prayer. We've got to put uh, our feet into action when the pressure gets hot. Amen. I remember uh, uh, Thelma Welch told me this years ago before she died. They had a big revival and Jack... Uh, 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 Jack, uh, I can't believe his last name, uh, Stanley's father-in-law. Yeah, Pierce. Jack Pierce, thank you. Jack Pierce was running the revival, and preacher Ed Grizzle was at Friendship. They said the revival ran for two weeks, and they uh, fell in tears in her house one day. She said, uh, she said, Preacher, let me tell you about what God did in my life. Said years ago, Fred was, had a heart condition. They sent him up to New York City to have his head, a heart tested. And said when he was gone, they had started the restaurant, and he was gone, and She'd saved up some money. Revival started. She said, God burdened her for revival. And she went and bought a, a truck while he was gone in New York City. And Thelma uh, said, uh, she said, oh, he would have killed me if, if he'd have known it. And he bought a truck, and she started driving around the community. And Jack run the revival, and they said over 70-something souls got saved in two weeks at Friendship. And uh, they said the success was from Thelma Welch driving around the streets of Dahlonega, mm-hmm. filling the back, back uh, bed of that truck up and bringing people to church. She'd drive up in that brand new truck, uh, tell them they're having revival, get in, we're going to church. She didn't give them an option. They said that was the success. At the end of the two weeks, they had a uh, baptized. And everybody that came up and joined the church, they said there were so many people wrapping around the church Uh, that they could not get to everybody uh, to shake hands. In other words, everybody shook hands, and they started from one end and started shaking hands all the way around. Thelma wept, and she cried. She said, Preacher, I put legs on my prayers. Listen to me, Zion. We are never going to see a real success of real revival, and we may see spurts of it, Come on. We'll never see real success of real revival till we get out and knock on doors, send out flyers, tell people about Jesus, and get into the highways and byways and do the Great Commission. And listen, this is just coming to church every Sunday and say, well, preacher's preaching, we're going to sing a few songs, we'll go home, praise God, we've done our job. Listen, God is tired of that. God wants His people to get busy and get mission-minded and get to work for God. If oh, someone said, I can't go, your money can go. they said, well, I don't have a lot to give. Well, your prayers can go. Uh, listen, when we get our hearts right as preachers, as teachers, as deacons, and we have a mission-minded uh, ministry about us, God will bless our feet as we go out and do His work. I, I think about this, that we've got... Uh, Uh, We all have a job to do. But to be a real success, a real success, we've got to be yoked up with God. Every one of us. You know, I've had some success in my little ministry. I know y'all look at me and say, well, your ministry's over. No, no, it's a fact. In fact, I've got a greater ministry now than I ever (laughs) had. I didn't give up. Everybody else says, Preacher, quit. You don't need to preach no more. You've been through too hard stuff. Quit. I ain't gonna quit. Just let little beat on me all they want to. I ain't gonna quit. I'm gonna Amen. keep telling the good news. Say, well, you can't do it in the pulpit no more. So what? I'm still telling the good news. Amen. Everywhere I go, Brother Michael, I'm, I'm still telling the good Amen. news. I'm still standing for Jesus. And listen to me. I want to be that success. But I want to say this tonight and I'm closing. Every single one of us have a call now there's things Jack can do Jack has got a memory that, just, that and Stephen I mean I, I don't like neither one of them they never forget I mean read something and they forget it Jack brings up some of the oddest things I'm like where did he hear that you know when he's teaching but that's their gift that is how God has blessed them but you know uh, that's where God's planted them it's their success For them to be successful, they've got to fill the spot where God plants them. But did you know this? That every single one of the apostles, how they died, made a big difference in spreading the good news. Did you know that? I'm going to read these to you. Matthew, he suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia. He was killed by a sword wound. Now God spread the gospel through these men. Mark. He died in Alexandria, Egypt, after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke, he was hanged in Greece as a result of his tremendous preaching to the lost. He was a physician. John faced martyrdom when he was boiled in huge basin in huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death. John was then sentenced to the mines on the prison island of Patmos. He wrote his prophetic book of Revelation on Patmos. The apostle John was later freed and returned to serve as bishop of Edessa in modern Turkey. He died as an old man, the only apostle to die peacefully. Peter, he was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross. According to church tradition, it was because he told his tormentors, that he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus Christ mm-hmm. had died. Are you listening now? Mm-hmm. James, he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown over a hundred feet down from the southeast pinnacle of the mm-hmm. temple when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. When they discovered that he survived the fall, his enemies beat James to death with a fuller's club. And a fuller is someone that cleaned clothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, This was the same pinnacle, actually, where Satan had taken Jesus during the temptation. James, the son of Zebedee, was a fisherman by trade when Jesus called him to a lifetime of ministry. As a strong leader of the church, James was beheaded at Jerusalem. The Roman officer who guarded James watched amazed as James defended his faith at his trial. Later, the officer walked beside James to the place of execution. Overcome by conviction, he declared his new faith to uh, to the judge and knelt beside James to accept beheaded as a Christian. So James won someone as he died. And then that other, the guy he won, was beheaded right along beside him. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, he was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed for our Lord in present-day Turkey. Bartholomew was martyred for his preaching in Armenia where he was flayed to death by a whip. Mm-hmm. Andrew, he was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Potras, Greece, if I said that right. After being whipped severely by seven soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross, Andrew saluted it in these words. I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been my consecration The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. He continued to preach to his tormentors for two days until he expired. Thomas, he was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips to establish the church in the subcontinent. Jude, he was killed with arrows when he refused to deny his faith in Christ and Matthias. The apostle chosen to replace the traitor, Judas Iscariot. He was stoned and then beheaded. And then Paul, he was tortured and then beheaded by the evil emperor Nero at Rome in AD 67. Paul endured lengthy imprisonment which allowed him to write his many epistles to the churches he had formed throughout the Roman Empire. These letters which taught many of the foundational doctrines of Christianity from a large Mm -hmm. portion of the New Testament. So now we find... These men were a success. Now, how do we define it now? Is success defined in how many people we have in our church house? Mm -mm. Is success defined in how many we have in Sunday school? Mm -mm. Real success is what we give back to God. These men gave everything. Gave it all. They didn't just give a testimony of standing up front of the church, I'm saved, I believe, I'm going to be baptized, and they gave their life. Amen. And every single one of us That's right that. now, we have never faced the things That's that right. these guys face. But don't you want to be a success? Everybody says, oh, if you get an education, you'll make more money. My grandparents used to tell me this, Sid and Bertha and such as they'd say, uh, they'd say, son, get you an education. It's something nobody can ever take away from. You know, after the recession, when they were still alive, they changed their tune on that? They said, you need to still have an education. They said, looks like a lot of people's education isn't worth what they paid for. Education is good and it's great. And I believe if we have the ability to get an education, go get it. It's like this, guys. If you get an education, it beats working in the field all day. At least you work in the shade a little bit if you got a little education, all right? That's what it boils down to. I want to say this. A real success is not in education. It's not in numbers. You look at these churches down there in, in Atlanta right now. They've got thousands flocking. They've got satellite churches all over the world. Are they really a success? They may not be. But we right here may be living a greater successful life. That little lady down there in a third world country sweeping out her, uh, her broom hut there with a little straw broom and and, and looking around, there's little chickens in the yard and half naked kids because she ain't got no clothes to feed them. The belly's pooched out because they're hungry. But yet she's singing the and praising glory, giving glory to God, and her kids are hearing every bit of it. And she's willing to die for the cause of Christ. That lady is more successful than the megachurch down the road that's got millions flocking to it. Amen tonight. Amen. That's what success is. I can sure I want to ask you tonight what do we want here from Mount Zion? What do I want? First of all, in closing, I want to say this. God has called me to preach. He's called that man to preach. He's called Donnie to preach. And Anthony and, and you know Kobe's coming here a little bit and and you know, born and raised here, Kobe is, but people aren't supposed to sit still. Right. They're supposed to go and move and move. You know why God gives us legs to move? You know why God gives preachers Called to go. To go. Go yeah. And listen, we're every single one of us have a job to do. Let's be successful where God plans us. Okay. And uh, my job may not be your job. You know, Stephen may not can go up to North Carolina and Tennessee and preach like that. He's his ministry's here right now, and I know he can. He's one of the greatest preachers they are, you know, and he's gonna go with me one day, I reckon. But I can go. I'm not bound down to nowhere. And I can go preach to people that I don't even know. Go tell them about the gospel and tell them about Jesus. Leave it with them and turn around and leave and tell them I love them. And God still bless me every bit. I feel more power of the Lord doing missionary evangelistic work than I have ever felt pastoring. I don't think y'all heard me, did you? I feel more of the power of God doing evangelistic work than I ever felt as a pastor. That may not make sense to none of y'all, but it does to me as a preacher. God's blessings have been on me, and I appreciate calling the line. Let's be a success. Measure success the right way. Does anybody have a word of testimony, anything at all?